This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Thank you for finding us again. I want to thank our sponsors, Pepsi of Florence, Carolina Bank, Mickey Fins, Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, Francis Marion, University McLeod Health, McCall Farms, Victors. I'll save these guys for last because they are in studio with us. PLC Commercial is also a sponsor of our um, feeble attempt at podcasting. Ken Jackson, Chris Scott, Rhett Spencer, and John Etheridge are the partners with PLC Commercial. Ken and Chris are now repeat offenders. They may be the first ever repeat offenders to our um, to our podcast. How are you guys? Glad good, to be. good, good to have you. Good to have you. Um, we're not looking at the cameras. We're not. We're not. We're, we're talking real estate and property management, development trends and whatnot. I know enough to be dangerous, but you guys are the experts. So um, I'll start either either one of you. I won't call names. You just jump in as you see fit. Um, the majority of real estate in America is predicated upon interest rate. Is that fair? I mean the the um. The sentiment of the consumer, does the deal work? Does the deal not work? Interest rates are a big, big part of that. Do do either of you, do both of you, do neither of you believe that we've seen peak interest rates? Peak, do, peak interest rates. Do you believe the 15-year, the 20-year, the 30-year fixed rate is beginning to trend downward? Yes. I, I think that's definitely the case. Now, whether something happens and it goes back up, who knows? But I mean, it's definitely going down, and it's having an impact on on the traffic and the market. I mean, it's it's directly related. Not everybody is interest rate sensitive, but an overwhelming majority, you know, that it, it factors in. Chris, does it frustrate you to 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 own and operate a business where one of the critical factors and components you have no control over? You have no, I have no control. Ken has no control over what the Fed decides to do with monetary policy when they decide to lower rates, when they decide to raise rates. I could argue that the truck body business was affected or impacted by interest rates, radio, podcasting, every business to some degree that requires cash flow and borrowing money is affected. But but I don't think any business is so influenced by lowering rates, raising rates. Does that frustrate you as somebody who's been in this sector of the economy for a long time yeah absolutely i mean it, it it's frustrating scary um it has a you know no question i mean i've told several bankers like hey if you're talking to the fed governor you know y'all have one of your little calls tell them that's enough we're good <laughs> they, they want to slow things down they 100 they they have absolutely slowed things down um and so yeah and that's frustrating because real estate you know you don't transact overnight Correct. All right. So we start looking at stuff last year. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, we had a deal. We had the property under contract ready to go to work, had a lease with a uh, big coffee company. You probably know I was green and white label. And the best thing we ever did was walk away from that. We would be underwater. There's no question. And that was less than a year ago. But both of you believe, I mean, nobody can read the Fed's mind. I don't think they know what they're going to do. But, but they can do a lot. I mean, they can affect and impact in a major, major way. I mean, I, I, I'll agree with both of you. I think it was necessary to raise rates, to curtail inflation. But, but I do believe that we've gone about, gone about as far as the economy can stand. And we're probably going 2024 enjoy a few rate cuts. I mean, is there, is there a consensus here amongst the group? Yeah, I yeah, believe so. Based on everything I've read. Yep. Um, Chris, stay there for a second. You've got a finance background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
how important is the financing of a deal? Um, Ken and I have a mutual friend. He told me it's the most important factor in a deal. How important and how far down the road do you look when you think about, do you project interest rates? I guess what I'm asking, if there's a, a multi-million dollar project out there and you know it's going to be August before it's ready to be financed, h- how do you prepare for that unknown? Uh, so first question is, do we? Yes. I mean, you got to project. I can, we pro forma. Now, it's, here's the other thing. That's all changed. I mean, rates have gone up. Under, I will say, um, don't forget, I want to talk about what bank. I, I do think some things were done that are still intact that are having a positive impact right now. But we do project, and we try to pro forma. If we think we're borrowing money at 5% for the deal, we'll pro forma it at 7 How does it look? We'll stress it. Hopefully not much beyond that. Now we are. We're above that. But, yes, rates are. I think rates are coming back down. One thing that I think is helping is I think there were standards that were put in place in 0809 when we had all, you know, it was, you know, get it appraised, throw it together, <laughs> slap something on paper. The Wild West. Yeah. Yeah. And those standards, you know, our interaction, what we're allowed to, how we're interacting with appraisers when we talk to the bank, you know, they, the banks have stuck to that. And I think they've stuck to their equity requirements and I think they've stuck to their appraisal requirements. So I think some of the lessons that we learned last time, are, uh, thankfully, I think they did do a good job. I can't believe I'm sitting there saying they did a good but job. I get it. But I they think, got that part right. Yeah, That's why well, we didn't collapse. I, I think so. I really do. <laughs> well, I, I mean, really and, and I'm, I'm like you. I mean, we tend to, I mean, the human nature is for every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction, or every action, there's an op- equal, aqu- opposite and equal reaction. I mean, I do believe that that it was too wild back then. Oh, yeah. The, the government probably tightened up too much, and we're trying to find some place of, of equilibrium, and I think that's what Chris is talking about. Let, let's go to some things that I've read. You guys are the expert. I'm not, but I know enough to be to be dangerous. We were talking before uh, the podcast began. Th- th- there seems to be a national sentiment amongst realtors and people in the commercial property and development and management and whatnot that – the, the sentiment is bearish on shopping centers. I'm not saying every mall is a dead mall. I'm not saying every shopping center will go out of business in the year 2024. But there seems to be retail interest moving out of shopping centers, however luxurious they may be, however well-traveled they may be. The, the new phrase that I'm hearing is neighborhood retail. First of all, um, do you believe in that? Um, trend or ideology that 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 some of these retail businesses will leave the shopping malls and head to more neighborhood-oriented retail uh, properties. Yeah, that's that's definitely a trend that's been going on for several years, and um, you know, a lot of enclosed malls have closed over the past five, ten years, and you know, I haven't heard of any new ones being built. But everything you see, new construction, is neighborhood retail-oriented. And that's what people want. That's what's successful. And you see that in Florence. I mean, Chris mentioned a minute ago, you know, about a few examples we have. And that, that those are the places people want to go. Chris, are we looking for a particular mix in neighborhood retail? Does there have to be a bank? Does there have to be a shoe store? Does there have to be a restaurant? Does there have to be a bakery? I mean, how do you decide what makes a successful neighborhood retail project? Um, well, we're talking about unanchored. And that's neighborhood. Explain un- that anchored to unanchored. Um, well, so um, grocery anchored. Let's say you build a um, Publix, uh, Publix poop, pick the week, whatever, big grocery, big box grocery store, and you'll have the 
you know, the half a dozen stores beside it, anywhere from 2,500, 5,000, maybe 7,500 foot space that's available. So Piggly Wiggly or Publix is your anchor. And then you've got your, your small shop space next to it. Unanchored is just all small shops. And the tenant mix is crucial. Having good tenants, you know, we're very blessed with great tenants. Uh, we watch out for them and how you mix them and making sure that you don't bring in competing businesses. And you, you really got to look for complementary businesses. Um, we've sat in the parking lot and watched people pull up and park and go to a store. And then it's like they say, oh, look, there's another one there and there's another one there. And they'll, they, they, they move up and down. It's like they discover it. Um, so the tenant mix is crucial. It really is. Yeah. So, um, and there's different, you know, you got service industry type, you know, that's the fastest growing element in neighborhood uh, retail, which is more insurance and banks and um, wealth financial management, services. financial services. You got traditional retailers, and then you got food and beverage. Ken, a community seems to, there's a certain intimacy, a certain hometown feel. I'm not beating up on shopping centers. I mean, you know, the trends are what the trends are. Shopping centers had their day. They were the dominant retail force in communities all over the country. And I would imagine some will be just fine. I mean, in certain places, uh, in certain situations and circumstances. But it seems to me that if you're a locally owned commercial property company, you would want to contribute to the betterment of your community. And I'm going to be opinionated here. I think the fewer malls and the more neighborhood retail, the better the community is linked together. Is that is that weird to say? Is there any thought given? I mean, I understand it's the bottom line. It's the math. Does it work? Does it not work? Can they make money? Can they not make money? In your world, can they pay rent or not? But is there an aspect of this that 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 when you think about, hey, is this good for the community? Does it add the local element to the community? Yeah, I mean, I think that's always part of it. I mean, you want it to, number one, be successful, but number two, be a part of your community, and that's going to ensure the sustainability of it. But, you know, people want to be able to easily access whatever business they're going to. And, you know, the enclosed malls of the past, you know, they were enclosed and, and they weren't out front, you know, as part of the community where you ride by and you see, you know, Ken R trucking or whatever. I mean, in, in on the inside of a mall, you know, you might have yeah. a little sign on the outside, but, you know, most smaller business, you're not even going to see it. it so, is it fair to, I'm interrupt, is it fair to say that corporate America, I mean, the, 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 the shopping center is, is kind of identifiable with corporate America and the neighborhood retail experience is more mom and pop? I mean, is that is that a fair comparison? Yeah. I mean, they're not always mom and pop, but that's the, true. you feel that way a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, and most of the big enclosed malls are owned by a REIT or, you know, some big corporate entity and, uh, and they have no connection to the local market. Whereas a lot of these neighborhood centers are owned by local people and, um, you know, they take pride in what's there and make sure that it looks nice on the outside as well as keeping their tenants happy. Chris, we're talking about uh, the bearishness of shopping, excuse me, of, um, of malls and closed malls in particular. Um, there is no denying the reality. I don't care how many brick and mortar stores you own, how, how many you manage. I don't care. You got to be nervous about the online shopping number. I mean, e-commerce is up to somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of all retail. But but if you want to be bullish, that means 85% of the retail is not done online. Do, do you have an opinion of neighborhood retail in competition with e-commerce juxtaposed to the big boxes in direct competition with e-commerce? 
Man, that's a good question. No, I mean, but, but, it's, <laughs> it is. but it's an important question, 100%, isn't it? hundred percent. And yes, I'm, you can't help but be concerned about it because, I mean, I go on Amazon. I, don't, I mean, sure. maybe I shouldn't say that, but I do. I mean, it's just reality. So you can't help but wonder what aspect that is. But there's still, I think Ken's right, too. There's still, maybe this is a little bit coming out of COVID. Some, there's still people want to get out. They want to be able to move around, but they don't want to be boxed in. And they don't want to be in, you know, with 100 people you know, shopping, fighting the crowd, whatever. Um, they want to be able to look at stuff. They want to touch it, feel it, see, you know, try it on, whatever. I think there's, I think for the right retail, there's still always going to be that component. But y'all going to give me a chance to be real psycho babbly here for a second. <laughs> I, I believe, and I want to get your take on this because y'all are in the business. I believe that e-commerce is about as impersonal as you can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can order something at midnight. Uh, nobody knows you ordered it. Nobody knows you're getting it. You don't have to talk to anybody, interact with anybody. And then you've got the big shopping center. It's still a bit impersonal, but you've got in a car and go somewhere. And then you've got the very intimate experience of neighborhood retail. And and as to Chris's point, Ken, it does seem to me that people or searching or yearning for that personal connection. I want to know the guy that runs the bakery. I want to know the lady behind the bank, you know, the teller who cashes my paycheck or helps me uh, make a deposit or not. Is that something that you guys consider in, 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 in whether to make a deal or not? That There is a lack of intimacy, and, and it's very impersonal. The neighborhood retail experience kind of restores that, rejuvenates that. Am I being too psychobabbling? <laughs> You're getting pretty deep, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'd like to see that. And, and you know, we'd like to factor that into the mix. But at the end of the day, it's got to, the numbers have to work and it has to make sense as a complimentary use. And, you know, it, I, I, it's, it's complicated. It's still an economic decision. I mean, that's, that's most of it. But, but I mean, there's certainly a lot of things that go into it that aren't just totally economic. But if you don't have the economic part right, then it doesn't, you're not going anywhere. Chris, our, our local shopping mall, our local shopping center, I mean, it's a known fact. I'm not breaking news here. I mean, they're operating under bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. They're not the only shopping center in America operating under bankruptcy. Um, you guys are in the business of locating tenants. Are there, are there, I don't want you to name tenants, but is there space out there that you guys have already constructed or under construction or on the board planning in the neighborhood retail space that you could tell someone about? Um, it's tight. I, I, I say no. I mean, I'm very thankful. I can tell you right now we're hundred percent. Thanks to this gentleman right here, just filled up the last space that we had that was available. Um, Good. It means we need more, doesn't yeah, it? it? It does. And that's we've Again, talked, we've had that so conversation. Let's re- stop there. This is so interesting. So walk us through how you get there. I mean, if you're in the neighborhood retail business mm-hmm. and and you're you don't have any space available, when do you make a determination as a company to, to go out and find another piece of property, develop another neighborhood retail space? We're all agreeing we're a bit bullish on neighborhood retail. You're, you're kind of um you're 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 confirming our suspicions by saying we're in the neighborhood retail business and we don't have any space available. Right. So when does PLC decide it may be time to step out and and do another project? Maybe when interest rates and the cost of construction come down. Yep. It goes back to what we <laughs> talked about earlier. Yeah, unless you can find you know we've we've had this conversation. We talked about a piece of property. Remember that was last week about yeah it would be a great spot for a little unanchored shopping center. Just you can't build it and expect to get the rent 
that you're going to need to carry the cost. And it's just, that's just the, where we are right now on some of it. I mean, there's still deals to be done, we're, um, but it, it does bring up uh, repurposing. Like what can you find and rehab? And I've seen, you know, I've been traveling around a little bit and seen some really interesting projects where people have taken older buildings and kind of reconfigured them and, you know, they're well-located, just stick to your fundamentals, get good, good dirt, get a good structure and, um, you know, we're spending our time it, thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. More so but, right but, now. but I'm hearing you guys say repurposing is more financially feasible than new construction. Oh, is yeah. that fair to say? I mean, the interest is the interest. I mean, the rate is the rate. But new construction has gotten unbelievably expensive, and it kind of leads you down the road of exploring: can this building be repurposed? Especially for some products, um, like I would pick on office right now to go out and build a ten thousand foot office building. Or 7,200 feet. We just did that. I mean, knowing what we just put into a building, we completely gutted and rehabbed a 7,200-foot office building, single tenant. If you had to go build that versus what we put into the existing brick building, well-located, you know, good, you know, good bricks and sticks is what we say. Give us good dirt, good bricks and sticks. You can make, you can, you can make that work. That works, the rehab. New construction, I mean, our rent would be, I mean, twice. Yep. You're talking about office space. You're talking about um, repurposing property. Yep. The the you know the national on the national level, there's about a twenty percent vacancy in office space across America. I think we're a bit insulated because South Carolina is one of the fastest growing states in America. We're benefiting from that. There's some things we can't control. We don't like some things we can't control. We do like uh, the interest rate. We don't like the uh, the fact that we are a fast growing state. It's something we are advantaged on behalf of. But when you look at office space. When you, I mean, when you guys think about, okay, this is a piece of property we'd have an interest in owning, not as an office space, but as something other than that. Walk, walk us through how you consider whether that dormant office space is, 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 can be repurposed and, and, and affordable or not. I mean, in, in other words, I doubt very seriously anybody, including PLC, including some of the national firms, are going to build a lot of new office space. I mean, that, yeah, 20% vacancy tells me all I need to know, that there's an abundance of office space. And, and some of these experts say people just aren't going back to work. I mean, some of these work from home, some of these remote work. I mean, that, that's the way, that's the new normal. I don't know the number stays 20%, but, but I do know that both of you have agreed that repurposing office space will be a part of commercial and property development for the next however many years. How do we make a determination this office building probably can't fly as an office building, but maybe we take it and turn it into, into something else. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, one, I would say the Florence market is a little bit different and, 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 you know, I don't know that we, 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 we don't have an abundance of, of class A office space. Um, so, you know, what's what is here, class A office space, Ken? And I'm not even sure what we have is class A It's probably, yeah. B plus maybe, or what, what would you class say? Class A for our market. Yeah. Class okay. A for our market. Okay. That's fair. Um, you know, th that's going to be, you know, updated, have modern amenities, um, you know, offer full service, um, great location, visibility. Um, you know, Chris has, you know, just done this with the, the Dozier building. I mean, but it converted it to an office from 
really. I mean, it. it I don't know what it was before. I mean, it, I, I guess it was they, a little bit industrial, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was. Thing. I mean, it was a little bit uh, officey. I mean, I know the property you're talking but about. It's, it's between two of the more substantial neighborhoods in Florence. No question. On a nice road, lighted, you know, not awful light interchange. Good prospects for development around it. Um, well built. I mean, that thing. If you could have seen the steel bill, uh, steel beams in that building. I mean, that's where. I mean, I thought about yesterday when that tornado was coming through. That's probably where I was going. So. Is there space available in that building? Uh, we've got about 2,000 feet left. Everything's so if someone done. out there is watching the podcast, listening, or, I mean, how, how would they go about finding out more about, what, what do you call it, the Dozier building? Yeah. Okay, the got, Dozier we got, building. We got really creative. I mean, I pass one. it every day. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But if somebody out there needs 2,000 square feet. Yeah. Call, I mean, plccommercial.com or our phone number, whatever. And um, that project's, you know, that's been a, it's been an interesting one. Um but it it's drives exactly me crazy because about. I can't see in the window to see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's hard yeah, to know what's yeah. going on behind there. I mean, I'm I'm a busy head guy, but um, but there's two thousand square feet in that in that property right, now. Yeah, about that on the second floor. Uh, I tell you what's interesting is it's only a two story building, but the views it are, really are, is nice. It's pretty sharp. Um, got lucky on the glass for some reason. The tent, the the, the we, we I didn't pick it. I just I'll, I'll stay on it honestly. worked. It worked, and it's just the the, the light up there is really good. So. And we've got a great tenant mix. We've got some national tenants, some re, you know real strong regional, and then um, we've got two new tenants that are not announced yet, but um, they're going in, and that'll leave us the the two thousand feet on the second floor. So again, just very very thankful to have good folks to work with there. Well, but that's good. I mean, you got. But if you're looking for that kind of space in Florence, you know, it, it, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, and it what? is it is nice space. I mean, it's. I mean, there, there's only one New York. There's only one Los Angeles. There's only one Dallas. I mean, I get some of these major markets, but where is Florence in the grand scheme of things? I mean, when, when, when Southerners think of big markets, we think of Atlanta and Charlotte. I mean, and I'm talking about locally. I mean, I, I would think Charlotte's a fairly big market. It's not New York. Atlanta's a big market. But where is Florence in the grand scheme of things? What What is the perception of Florence? I mean, I, we, we live here. You didn't grow up here, but, I mean, we, we've lived in the PD all of our lives. We have a certain feel for it, a certain loyalty to it. I mean, how, how do you think the rest of South Carolina, the Southeast, perceive a market like Florence? Not necessarily just Florence, but a market like Florence. I mean, is, is it a secondary? Is it a third tier? Is it a fourth fourth tier? I think it's more of a third tier than than a second tier. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't agree. But, I, 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 I will go with the word loyal. I think... People in Florence are very loyal to Florence. Um, that's why I feel like I, I'm hesitant to use that word insulated. But with the announcements that's going on here and the things and the traffic and, you know, I've always said that Florence undersells interstate connections that we've got. The, you know, you got Interstate 95 running right through our backyard. Oh, yeah, I mean, interstate I 20. Forever. Yeah. I think we've been off the radar a little I bit. I completely agree. People. I completely agree. I think that's a great way to put it. And we're beginning to get back on the radar. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, sure. We've 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 underperformed in relation to growth. I mean, I think we have. I mean, you guys aren't here to be opinionated. I mean, but but you know, I will. I'll say we've we've to to, to Chris's point, the convergence of two major interstates in one of the fastest growing states in America. We should be better off today than we were. I yeah. mean, we can't undo what's been done. But but I, I you know I'd like to believe that if. And, and I want to congratulate PLC. I mean, you know, I, I think you guys have tried to present projects and properties on the on the up end of the market. I mean, if, if our spectrum is from here to here, I think the majority of PLC's properties are here. 
I mean, they're the high end of our market. I mean, you're not going to do what they do in New York. I mean, nobody expects yeah. that. But I do believe that you guys have made a commitment to not be bottom feeders, but rather push the envelope to see if we can create uh, better space in, in this in whatever size market this yeah. ends up being. Yeah. We, we, we think there are lots of opportunities. We know there's demand, so we're trying to fill that void. You, you mentioned economic growth a second ago. We, we, we've had several positive announcements recently in gross. The um, the the provider to BMW for the electric batteries. I do a radio show. I was deeply concerned about the EV. I mean, I I, I thought that we had oversold the electric vehicle. I thought we had allowed government to drive an agenda that consumer was not supportive of. I met with some political leadership, and they're convinced that this is. I mean, all, all the promises made, all the commitments made, all the obligations by our local and state delegation are very realistic. It's not pie in the sky. It's not hoping that X number of GMs or Fords are sold in an electric vehicle. It is what BMW estimates they'll need. And that's good with me. I mean, that, you know, if BMW says we think we will sell 6% of our vehicles electric in the next 10 years, and that's why we need... My, my point to both of you, you don't build electric cars, um, you don't work for BMW, but as 2,000 employees come to town and, and make a good wage, that's going to add to commercial development, residential and, and commercial. How, how, uh, how impactful, Ken, you spend a lot of time in economic development, how much impact do you think this, this economic development project of nearly, what, north of a billion dollars and 2,000 jobs will have on the, the economy in general? I think tremendously. Um, and it's going to touch a little bit of everything. Um, you know, we've we've had discussions about what some of the needs are going to be. And, it's, of course, you know, the obvious one's going to be more housing. And I think you're seeing that on the east side right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, on the east side. It's, you know, not been a whole lot of residential development over there over the years, but you're starting to see it now and a lot of stuff in the pipeline. But, you know, just services, Additional office space, um, certainly smaller industrial buildings is something we're working on now. Um, I mean, it'll touch everything. Chris, is it important to have an idea of what to expect from this project? I mean, as you prepare, I mean, you, you would be one of the people they'll look to if some of these out parcels need to be made available or some of these clustering of businesses. I mean, when Ingrose comes or a company like that comes, there's kind of a clustering effect. There'll be a lot of ancillary and support businesses. Um, I mean, you, you, your company will be one of the companies that we'll look to to help make some of these deals work, to create these new ancillary jobs. How, how, how does that, not negotiation, how does that interaction work? Ken, you're formerly of economic development. I mean, Chris, you're, you're kind of a, I don't want to say a bean counter, but you're finance-oriented. I mean, that's a big part. How, how do we, how does PLC Commercial begin preparing for the growth that will come? Well, a lot of, a lot of that is entrepreneurial and speculative because you, you know what's coming. You mm -hmm. have discussions with people and try to get as much information as you can about what the needs are. And, and then you try to identify where you think you can can fit in. And, 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 you know, it's always nice to have a bird in the hand and, you know, a tenant in your pocket, but that's not always the case. And you have to kind of try to get out in front of things. And that's some of what we're doing now. And I, and I asked that question. I spent a little time in government. If you don't have competent, quality, commercial real estate companies, it doesn't work as well. 
I mean, it's just something you, you can't, with all due respect, you can't have a company that sells houses day after day after day after day. Somebody knocks on the door and says, hey, we got these 2,000 jobs coming. We need green sites. We need office space. We need commercial property, industrial property. You got to be established in that business, Chris. You got to understand commercial property to be an asset. Well, I, I do. I think I agree. And I think some of that's what we've been doing is going and trying to, I like to say there's not a little black box out there. It's, we all got to be tugging on the same rope. So it's going to economic, it's going to Florence Progress, it's going to the county, it's going talking to the city. And, hey, what do y'all need? What's going on? What are you hearing? And then Ken's right, too. There's a speculative nature to it. We got to just be willing to say, yep, hold on, this is going to happen. I mean, I grew up in Spartanburg. I I worked the, the groundbreaking for the BMW plant. I, they were looking for volunteers. And I went out there and watched them drive the bus that literally went off into the ditch and people were having to get out the emergency door. But I've seen since whenever that was, 91, 2, 3, man, I've seen what, you know, what that's done. So it's easy to get excited about a project like uh, the battery plant here. And when they're aligned with someone like BMW that's not known for making many mistakes, that makes you even more excited about it. So my hope, my goal is following like what Ken's done for years and others is trying to get that, get everybody to talk about it because you mentioned earlier in the broadcast or in the podcast about, um, you know, uh, how we, we being loyal. And we talked about that, just getting everybody tugging on the same rope in, in town and getting excited about projects. And, you know, you don't have, I don't have, we don't have any special little formula to make this thing sure. work. Um, Part of a team. That's exactly right. Let, let's touch on, you talked about, um, re, I talked about residential a second ago. Um, one of the biggest issues in, 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 in residential housing today is affordability. Um, I mean, we talk about supply and demand. We can talk about, you know, the, the, the under supply of homes. But at the end of the day, is the, is the American dream affordable or not? And today's calculus makes it complicated. I mean, it does. The, the, the raising interest rates, uh, the asset appreciation we've seen in South Carolina, we're, we're, a, we're a state, one of the fastest growing in America. There, there's a demand for housing here. When someone wants to move and wants to, 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 to locate and, and gain some degree of independence, there's a couple of choices there. there there's a home, and then there's multifamily. Big cities are accustomed to having this multifamily dynamic. I, I read somewhere earlier this week that, I, I wrote it down this way, rent growth has slowed to a standstill, but there's still only a 5% national vacancy in multifamily. Is, is, is Florence oversupplied, undersupplied, or supplied at the right level? First of all, is multifamily commercial property? I'd say yes. It's a, I mean, it's to me a, it is. The yeah. development of it yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a segment of the commercial. So, so, so what are the multifamily needs in Florence, and how does a commercial real estate company speculate on how involved it needs to be? In, in, in that affair or not? Well, you know, from our perspective, I think, I mean, I, I'm not sure we're going to, we aren't going to be multifamily developers, or at least that's not part of the discussion no, we're agree. having. <laughs> so now. don't look for PLC commercial to buy an old office building and turn it into a hundred apartment complex. Well, never say never, but I mean, that's, no. that's not what we're focusing on. But, but um, that's happening across America, right? I mean, you, you'll, you'll agree with that. That's happening. Yeah. The reason I'm asking this, if 2,000 people have a new job six months or a year, a year and a half from now, they can't sleep in the car. 
I mean, they, they've got to find right. somewhere to call home. That leads me to believe that there could be somewhat of a multifamily boom in Florence. But, I, you know, maybe I'm reading too much here, Chris. Maybe I'm, once again, psycho-babbling to the nth degree. Um, but, but when I think about all these jobs that don't exist today will exist at some point in time, they'll all need somewhere to call home. I'm convinced we can't build that many homes. There won't be that many homes for sale. That's why I'm asking a question about multifamily. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're definitely going to see some. I mean, they're clearing the property over, you know, by 95 now. Um, Hoffmeyer 95, yeah. On, uh, off Hoffmeyer for a new multifamily project. And I think, you know, I've had discussions with people who've been looking for land. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that there are people who specialize in multifamily that are looking. Um and you got people like Billy Powers in town. I mean, he's he knows how to do it. Done it forever, <laughs> and done it all over the state. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's done extremely well. No. So I mean, I, I think there are people that will fill that void and build in the multifamily if there's the demand. The challenge is again, you know, the the cost of construction and the rent level. You know, the somebody told me one time that you know it costs just as much to build multifamily apartments here in, in Florence as it does in Charlotte, but the rents are $400 more a month. So, you know, that makes it more appealing, you know, in markets I, where I, the rents are higher. I think I'm hearing both of you say, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Yes. And we're going to stick to what we know. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, but, but you'll agree that there, there could be a shakeup in the multifamily market around here if indeed all these jobs come to fruition. There's a demand, and I think you'll see a mix of single family and some you know, some of the rentals, like some of our the people we know are, are building these rental units mm-hmm. uh, in town, and they're leasing them just as soon as they, they build them. And I think there's also it, it, the, the battery plant, those jobs, yeah, that's coming, and those people here, I mean, last I heard there's already 100 people here working for that group. But I also know that there's other people that here. Um, I just heard the story last night. My wife was at the store and talking to somebody, struck up a conversation. Where are you from? I think it was last night anyway. See if I'm lying. I'm sorry. But recently, the girl said, I'm from Vermont. What, what brought you here? She's like, just seemed like a good spot. Cost of living's less. People are coming. I mean, it's the South Carolina effect. So I think Florence is getting ready to have the South Carolina effect. Which I think we we covered that a little bit. Sure. Like South Carolina kind is of a the, decade behind the the coast. Yeah, yeah, and then so there's the South Carolina effect and there's the battery effect. So yeah, I think um, we're not in residential development, but we'll you know we have people asking about land, so we you know we're aware of it, and there's going to be a need. But Chris and Ken, are they somewhat connected? I mean, when residential struggles, commercial struggles. When residential thrives, commercial thrives. It, I would be led to believe I'm not an expert. You guys are, but but if if I'm if I've got some disposable income and the economy's humming along pretty good, um, I'm going to a neighborhood retail center. You know, I'm more likely to go by, yeah, I mean, out deed. I mean, exactly. So, some of what you're talking about, the mixed use and and some of the um, some of the neighborhood retail space. Last subject I want to touch with you guys. I meant to ask you this last month, and I didn't. Um, there are a lot of people out there who don't have a sign, who don't have a business. They inherited a property. They, 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 they own a property. They don't know what in the hell to do with the property. I mean, they collect a rent check. Um, the toilet leaks. The, the, the concrete's breaking. Uh, the roof is beginning to kind of falter or fail. 
Is that, I mean, is the property management side of commercial real estate something you guys have any interest at all in getting into? And by that, I mean not just managing your property, but helping others manage property that they honestly don't have any interest in or, or, or don't have the ability to. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, one of the, I talk about a three-legged stool or we've talked about it. Like you've got development, you've got leasing and brokers, and you've got property management. And those three come together. That is commercial real estate. And that's what we're doing. So yeah, we're, um, m- might have some news to share next time we're at the podcast here, but with, but yeah, a hundred percent, that's what we do. We do it for our own properties. We started doing uh, third party management probably four years ago. Uh, we don't advertise. What does it. that mean? Third party management it means you own a property and you hire us to manage it for you. And it can be, a, what, what do I get when I hire you to manage it? Yeah. It, it's a menu. Like you can everything from, Hey, I just want you to, I got a vacancy. I want you to lease it to, I want you to lease it and collect the rent to, I want you to lease it, collect the rent, fix the toilet, watch the roof to, we'll actually do inspections where we go and walk your property quarterly, semi-annually or annually and say, Hey, here's, def-. I mean, we talked about this last time. Deferred maintenance is a huge issue. And especially in this environment right now, you got to take care of your properties. Appearance is important, but also um, just taking care of them because it's going to be expensive to go fix them. And, 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 and that's kind of the next piece of the we puzzle. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I just, Found out yesterday we've already got over 200 units under management. So commercial, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's definitely something that we're going to focus on. And it's something you can't dabble in. I mean, you've got to make a commitment to be in the property management business. I mean, I, I know people that sell property. I know people that buy property. I know people that want any part of property management. I mean, that's where that's you right. plug. That that's kind of what you want to do. It doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. You just don't want to do it. I mean, it doesn't that's fit right. into your right. into your routine. You guys want to be, I, I guess, the experts at helping someone manage property that they own yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and it lends itself to some of the things we're talking about earlier like you talk about what can we do to help florence and is this something that's going to be uh, beneficial to the community just working with property owners and saying hold up don't don't just take the first lease that comes along let's look at what you can get i know you 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 know you say x dollars a foot sounds good but we just signed four dollars higher than that right around the corner hold tight and you stop that erosion of rental rates you stop it get a floor in and start working your way back up that's how you're going to improve value and that goes right to your bottom line you can't you can't enhance your property value faster than that so hypothetically if if i'm if i'm you know uh, a former businessman from pamplico and i own a a warehouse and i own a little strip mall and i'm to the point in my life i just don't want the headache i mean i you know i, I don't like spending money but I, but i know i need to maintain the property and manage the property i don't have any interest in doing do I just call you? Do I go to your website? Do we sit down and talk and discuss? I mean, how? Do, I mean, you guys are in that business. I mean, you're making. I don't want to disclose anything, but you told me off the air that that you're making some decisions now to kind of enhance that sector of of your business. I'll leave it there. You're going to enhance property management, but but if I'm watching the podcast and I've got twenty five thousand square feet of property and I don't have any interest in managing, do I just call you? Do I go to the website? I mean, how how does that work? Any of the above. Yeah, I website mean, call. Reach out to us, and uh, you know we'll we'll talk with you. We'll come meet with you and look at your property, give you our opinions, and tell you what we can do, and see if we can come to an agreement to help each other. Okay. Yeah. Anything else we need to add? Glad to be here. This is yeah. fun. Thank you. Uh, no, for doing I mean, this. you guys yeah, do. I mean, you guys do a great job, and I know you would. Uh, the other two of you will probably. I think you guys rotate uh, two and then two and then two and then two. Um, I will ask you this as we close: um, what, what has been? I don't want to say the biggest struggle, but but obviously there. No, I mean there there's an adjustment. You know what I mean when you take four different people. You and I have been partners a long time. Chris has partners. Yeah. I mean I, I know that. 
but but all of a sudden you sign a deal and say, hey, we own this business together. Has it has it gone? I mean. It, it, I know what my answer is. You Every day is not the 4th of July, so stop with that nonsense. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to laugh. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, it's actually gone very well. I mean, we all get along well. We, you know, we don't have any issues there. The biggest challenge we've had is, you know, we're expanding our office and we're waiting on the, the renovation to be complete so that we can all be in the office together. And that's my fault. That's, you know, that's going to happen. But, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, I, we, I don't have any reservations about anything, and, and I'm still excited as I was day one. Yeah. Chris? Oh, oh, absolutely. It's great. I mean, the interaction, just having partners you can sit down and talk. We just skull sessions. Hey, what do you think about this? We're just getting ready to get this listing. Deals, rates, everything. That interaction on a daily basis. And then, you know, everybody, I think you touched on this first podcast. There's strength. Each each one of the partners has got a different strength. Um, that's really wonderful to have that come together. So I just have failed on getting us in the same building together. But we're working. We're real close on Well, that. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't do this. We've extended the opportunity for someone who has property and wants it managed. I mean, that's some of what you do, and you say you're going to enhance that uh, side of the business. What if somebody out there is looking for a piece of property? I mean, they have this idea. They have this concept. They want to be in business. They want to build a building. They want to buy a piece of property. I mean, I mean, same same process is give you a call. But I, I know, I mean, I hate to say it's a one-stop shop that's so clicheic. But that's really and truly what you guys are trying to do. Yeah. You're trying to be a one-stop shop at commercial property. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, brokerage is a part of it. And if someone's looking to buy something, we, I mean, that's right up our alley. But if they want to build something themselves, we can sit down and talk to them and help guide them through the process or be a, you know, I mean, we're open to joint ventures with people and, you know, all kinds of things that may make sense. Including podcasting. Yeah, you guys I, are. You, good. This is I mean, y'all are y'all are really good at the, it. The hot topic for our office is like, when do we switch up? Like next time, is it John and Red oh, okay. again? Or are we, we going to go Ken and John, or Red and Chris? Or <laughs> yeah, because right now it's two and two. That's right. We got when are we going to break the cycle? And then tag team partners. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we'll work on that. Thanks to both of you. <laughs> Thank you. It's great. Thank Appreciate you. it.